Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And one of the ways to actually make an online income is through teaching English, both offline uh, and also uh, teaching online. Um, so offline and offline uh, English teaching. And we're going to be interviewing Ayla about her teaching career and about her travels. Uh, so she's currently teaching with VIP Kid Online, but she's also taught um, you know, offline as well in places like Colombia, where I am currently. I'm actually in beautiful Medellin, Colombia, in El Poblado, which is a major digital nomad hotspot. So Ayla, to start off with, uh, why don't we get to know you a little better, better if you want to share more about yourself? All right. Hi, Ricky. Um, thanks for having me. My name is Ayla. I'm currently in Tennessee in the United States, and I am teaching online with VIP Kid, and I have taught in person in Columbia as well. Teaching is something I'm super interested in, and it allows me to travel as well, so it's an exciting field. So I would love to hear a little bit of a backstory. So you're from the U.S. and uh, you uh, traveled quite a bit. So if you can walk us through some of your travels from the U.S. Uh, to other countries around the world and beyond. Absolutely. Um, both of my parents are, well, my mom is from Montana and my dad was from Indiana. So kind of from all over the U.S. I was born in Alaska but moved to Kentucky when I was young. So I grew up in Kentucky. And my parents and I traveled quite a bit um, with my brother as well. So I, from a young age, I was exposed to traveling. We did some international traveling in Mexico as well as all over the United States. So I grew to love traveling in that sense. And then whenever I went to school at University of Louisville, I had the opportunity to travel abroad while studying. So I did a study abroad program in Sevilla, Spain. And that's really whenever my love for traveling skyrocketed because I got to do a bunch of really exciting weekend trips in places in Europe. And it was like nothing I'd ever experienced before. And so, yeah. That's kind of how I've grown to love traveling and meeting people from all sorts of backgrounds. So I'm interested in your time in Colombia because uh, I'm actually a big advocate. I'm, uh, uh, they almost should hire me as a tourism ambassador because I rave about how beautiful Colombia is on um, you know, these podcasts and video casts on iTunes and YouTube. And I also rave about it on my social media and my blog. So I absolutely love Colombia. And whenever I meet someone who's also been here, I connect instantly. Um, so, um, tell, walk us through uh, what actually brought you over here to Columbia. Uh, I actually started researching ESL teaching jobs after I got TEFL certified, and Columbia was actually somewhere I hadn't thought of before I started researching online jobs, and um, I found that Columbia was a hotspot for teaching English because their government has a program in place to better their bilingualism in the country and education system and those things. So their government was essentially incorporating um, native English speakers to come and work with public schools all over the country. So I came with a friend of mine who I got TEFL certified with and we were stationed in Cartagena, which we were very excited about. And I know you're going to Cartagena soon, so you will experience all of the wonders of, of the beautiful walled city. So. Uh, so uh, tell us about the actual teaching experience, like uh, in terms of uh, what kind of school was it, how many students were you teaching, what age group, 
um, roughly the hours for a day. So uh, paint a picture of how it was teaching here in Columbia. Okay, it was for sure a culture shock. Their schools are incredibly different from our own. And I know specifically in Cartagena, there's a huge, huge gap between like the walled city and the rest of the city as far as income, resources. So most of the teachers who were placed in all the cities really around Colombia were in less fortunate, lower income, less resource schools. So um, it was a huge challenge. I mean, you don't really have what you would have in a normal classroom as far as tools, resources, technology, and all of that. So it was a bit of a challenge. Um, my day usually ran from about 6 a.m. until about 12 or 1. And they do half days, so they have two different blocks. They start early, um, students come, and then they go until about 12.30 or 1, and then a new group of students come in and go until the evening. So that's how it works as far as in the school. My, my classrooms, it differed, but they were about 30 kids per classroom or more. And um, I'll send you some pictures. I don't think I can show you on this video, but Anybody who wants to see, I have a lot of documentation. I had a GoPro at the time, so I documented my school, as well as the classrooms, the environment, um, and the challenges I faced, because you can see in the videos that, you know, our school was not the best in terms of um, construction, resources, what we had available in the classrooms, and... Um, the kids are definitely a challenge to maintain focus because they're super, super high energy on the coast. They're, they're well known for being really outspoken and um, excitable. So keeping them in a controlled classroom setting was a huge challenge. So, uh, Ayla, I'm curious to know about, like, the logistics of coming here. So uh, you apply online. Uh, what kind of visa do you get? Um, do they put uh, put you up with a home or accommodation? Uh, if you don't mind getting to the salary side of things, roughly how much is uh, the salary for uh, native speakers working here, et cetera? You know, it really depends. There are several different programs that you can teach in Columbia with. The one that I was doing, um, since it was through the government, it was actually on a volunteer basis. We were paid volunteers, but the salary was pretty um, pretty low. I mean, it, it covered your expenses for the month, but you had to be somewhat, um, you know, aware of your spending and, and things like that. It did allow you to travel and, and do things around the country, but, um, as far as saving up, there are some other opportunities in other countries, but in Colombia, um, since the cost of living is pretty low, you have the opportunity to, to you know, maintain a decent style of living and um so yeah um the ones that there are other ones that pay more for example you can teach at universities um most of the time getting those type of jobs are an in-person interview so you would want to come to columbia first the one that i did was columbia bilingue it's called and you essentially apply from online, you have an interview, and then you come to the country, have a training, and then they send you off to your respective cities. So, 
Got it. And um, I'm curious to know about the curriculum. Um, you know, uh, typically um, I find Asia and uh, South America a little bit more grammar-based instead of like full immersion, get uh, people speaking. I'm really curious to know uh, about the teaching methodology. Did you have to pretty much stick to the book no matter what? Did you have the freedom to do what you uh, want to some degree? Uh, so walk us through the curriculum as well. Um, they did provide a book. As far as curriculum, from what I observed, at least in my school, there essentially wasn't a curriculum. And whenever I left, I actually created kind of a map and a curriculum for them. But, you know, that is one of the huge things that that is seriously, I guess, deterring Columbia from reaching their potential in education is that planning. And we taught with a co-teacher. And at times it's very difficult to coordinate and teach with a co-teacher because you both have to be on the same page. I know plenty of people who had a really great experience and their co-teacher was willing to teach with them, but it's a huge challenge and you have to be willing to create some of your own lesson plans and come to class prepared with something for the kids. And that was something I had a lot of fun doing, actually, because you can be super creative in your lesson planning, and you have a lot of freedom to create and teach as you please. Uh, that's, def that's definitely good to hear. Uh, I have some uh, experience as a teacher as well. I actually went to Japan, uh, in Tokyo and in Osaka, working for NOVA and in Berlitz, uh, ESL teaching. And uh, I found uh, there, uh, obviously it's different than in Colombia or South America, but there is very much buy the books and you got to stick to the curriculum and the students are so um, regimented in terms of they got to meet a certain level to, to advance uh, and it's also teaching adults and a lot of the companies actually paid for the students to come and learn English so that they can be better international uh, workers. Uh, so it was, it was quite interesting. I didn't have as much freedom as I wanted. I love to create my own curriculum, my own agenda, my own uh, teaching methodology and I, I like the more practical side of English teaching rather than just grammar based so yeah I was curious to know about the differences there uh, so tell us about some of the challenges I mean uh, you were uh, living in Colombia uh, I didn't know how good your Spanish is but to walk us through some of the challenges of living uh, and teaching in Cartagena um, my Spanish definitely got really good um, at, you know I was always very comfortable and I would push myself to speak when I first arrived to Colombia I was pretty nervous um, I had studied abroad in a Spanish-speaking country, so I had some experience speaking with native speakers, but Colombia is a whole different story because many people don't speak English, so I was forced to, which was really good for me, actually. It was great for me learning a lot of Spanish, and especially the slang my students taught me so much. <laughs> I don't know if that would come in handy, but it was really interesting to learn. And then as far as other challenges, you know, Columbia definitely has a reputation, especially in the past 20 years, of being a dangerous place. But it's really just maintaining awareness because you have to be aware of where you're going, what's around you. There are some dangers, but as long as you stay focused and know what's going on and stay out of areas that are known to be um, dangerous, then most of the time you're you're all right, and there are so many beautiful, amazing things in Colombia as long as you pay attention to where you're going and you're knowledgeable about what's going on. Yeah, you know, you're definitely right there about the dark past with the drug trade and uh, 
the gang violence and uh, the political tension. And, uh, you know, right now I'm here in August of 2017, and I don't really uh, notice it. Uh, I don't know if I'm just an ignorant foreigner, <laughs> you know, but uh, I definitely don't notice the dangers. Um, they had a peace treaty last year, and I talk to locals a lot while I'm here, and I ask them about, you know, the political realities right now, and obviously they're still uh, recovering, um, but but they really um, done a great job of um, promoting tourism now, and I, uh, I'm here in Medellin, and there are a lot of uh, foreigners and digital nomads have come here, um, and, uh, you know, uh, it's really become a big digital nomad hotspot. Uh, so the I feel the dark days are over, and there's a bright light shining on the beautiful country of Colombia. That's absolutely correct. Yeah, they are in a huge uphill uh, from this point. They're doing amazing things, and especially in Medellin and some of the more developed cities, they have some really amazing things going on, and a lot of the darkness has faded away, so that's really great. So you actually left Cartagena to uh, head back to the U.S. and now you're based in Tennessee, as you mentioned. I actually had the opportunity to go to Nashville on a press trip. Uh, you know, th shout out to Alexis for making that happen. I absolutely love Tennessee, the Tennessean people, and Nashville as a city is amazing if you're into country music and live music, and I love the vibe of Nashville. Uh, so I'm curious to know, um, now you've actually transitioned to the U.S. and you're actually teaching online. Uh, tell us a little bit about how that happened in terms of uh, how did you get your uh, current uh, teaching students? Um, so after I came back, and I am actually in Nashville, so shout out for that. Um, I decided I wanted some way to maintain teaching so that I could teach abroad again because I wanted to maintain skill, learn more, push myself in the teaching field because I found that it was something that I really enjoy doing. And if it allows me to travel and see more things and experience communities the way I was able to, I would love to have that in my future. So I started teaching online with VIP Kid, who is a huge, huge online company in China. And I'm loving it so far. They have all kinds of opportunities for teachers and they take what they do very seriously. And it's amazing. I've learned a whole lot. They have a really awesome online platform, and I love teaching the kids. They're a lot of fun, crazy different than Colombian kids. And I mean, it's a, it's an insane difference. Maybe elaborate a little bit more. I mean, I'd love to hear what do you feel is the biggest difference between a Colombian child and a Chinese child in terms of uh, them as students. You know, I think a huge part of it maybe is the age difference and then, of course, cultural background as well. Um, most of the kids that I teach now are from age about 4 until 12. And I see a whole lot of difference, I guess, in an online classroom because the parent most of the time is with the child. Some, some children who are acclimated to the classes don't have their parent there the whole time. But the majority of the time, the parent can be right there if needed, and that controls the behavior a whole lot. Although the teacher's responsibility is also to control the behavior, but that's a huge, hugely different thing than in an, on, in an online classroom versus an in-person classroom because you're more capturing the kid's attention rather than saying, don't do this, you know. It's more of a, look here. Uh, so it's fun and it's, it's totally different. The kids are interested in, in learning, and they think it's really fun. You have a whole online platform, so you have slides with 
activities and they're able to even take the stars that they earn from their good behavior in class and apply that to the website so that they can play games and do activities online too. So that helps a lot. Awesome. And uh, tell us about how the lessons look like. Like how long are the lessons? What are you actually teaching them? Because they're kids. Is it uh, um, songs or games or nursery rhymes or um, tell us, uh, walk us through how does the actual lesson look like? So there are various levels because the kids are obviously at different parts in their English learning journey. And we are very much immersion based. So there's a lot of TPR, total physical response, where you're doing actions and describing something. And then there's pictures so that they can relate. And then it's repetition. So we're never using Chinese or any other language. So when you're English teaching, you're never, almost never going to use anything but English. Um, so that's really helpful. And they have all their slides laid out in a 25 minute class setting. So we are able to start with the introduction slide, you have an activity, and then each slide kind of does a different thing. You'll have a review section where you'll go over things that you have taught in past classes, and then you get to new material where you teach it in a really dynamic way with props and or pictures and activities, and the kids learn extremely quickly, extremely well, and they do amazing in the online classroom setting. Awesome. Sounds, sounds amazing. Sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, I taught English uh, mostly to adults, but I've taught kids. Um, and I haven't done it as much online, so I'm yeah, definitely interested in that. Um, what do you feel is the biggest difference between online and offline teaching? Because uh, when you have the kind of the barrier of the screen, it changes the dynamics of the conversation. Even if we're doing this interview, obviously, in person, it'll be very different than how we're doing it now on uh, our laptops with our webcam through Google Hangout and YouTube and iTunes. Uh, so what do you find is the biggest difference when you put a screen between a teacher and a student? Probably, probably just your interaction with the student. If a student needs you know, special focus on a certain thing, and especially since the slides are laid out for you, you, it's hard to go off task. So say a student has specific difficulty on one slide, pacing yourself so that you can make sure that student understands it, but still go through with the entire PowerPoint and that they have a general understanding so they're able to move on to the next class. So that I feel like in a normal classroom setting, you can say, I can help you with this and sit with that specific student to guide them on what they're learning and then move on and to something different and adapt the lesson to them. But where you're teaching maybe different kids every day with VIP Kid, because you might not have the same kid every single day, then you will you know, have trouble if there's a specific thing that kid needs to focus on and you still need to get through the slide. So I think that's probably the biggest challenge that I've come across. Sounds good. Uh, so if people were interested in actually joining VIP Kid, uh, what is the process like? Pretty much if you're a native English speaker, can you do it? Are there some re requirements or regulations? Uh, how is the application process like? like? So it, it's a two-part interview as well as um, an application. And there are some specific requirements. You definitely have to be a native speaker. You have to have really stable, good internet. 
and they encourage you to have props and things. Actually, this is where I teach, so I have some things that I use in my classroom and um, that I can show you in a little bit. So um, if you do want to teach with VIP Kid, if there are people interested, feel free to email me. I can give you a referral code and guide you to the online application process and, and kind of help you out on, along the way with some tips and pointers on, on the interview as well as application process. And uh, by the way, for those of you listening and watching, I'll put that referral code below so you can actually just click through and then, uh, you know, Ayla will definitely be able to walk you through the process if you need any help. So Ayla, you mentioned you have the props. Let's pull them out uh, yeah, for the people who are watching on YouTube. And if you're just listening to this on iTunes, uh, make sure you watch the video version to see the props. Let's, let's see them. Pretend right. I'm a student. So we have rewards. This is a gumball machine, a tiny gumball machine that I use for my kids. Um, so with each star that they receive in the classroom, they can receive also a gumball. They get the gumball. They love the gumballs. Um, let's see what else I have here. I have elephants, all kinds of stuffed toys. And then my trusty hat. There's a ton of things that I use in the classroom. Definitely a whiteboard. Different things are recommended. And then I have whistles, which my older kids love because they say that they are made in China, which they think is so cool. So it kind of relates them with their own culture and home. And I have an entire bag full of stuff props. Here is one of my students, Tony. And he received many pirate stickers, which he loves. So, yeah. There's a few things that I use in my classroom. Kids love it. It definitely helps them to have visuals, um, keeps them more interested and engaged in the class. It's actually really fun for me, too, because sitting in one place for three or four hours gets somewhat tiring. So having things to pull out and play with, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, no, definitely it gets tiring uh, for both uh, the participants, uh, the teacher and the student, if you're just static, talking about grammar. So I love all those props, you know, definitely motivates people with the rewards and uh, kind of like the stickers, the gumballs, etc. Uh, so uh, I'm curious to know about your vision for it. I mean, uh, you've taught in Columbia, you're teaching to Chinese students now. What is your vision going forward uh, from um, this day, next few months, next few years and beyond? So I have a vision of hopefully expanding my opportunities to make money online while traveling. And I'm in the process of making a website. I really enjoy writing. So a blog is to come for those of you who are interested in my journey and what I will do next, which is definitely a whole lot of traveling because I am addicted like most people who love traveling and are probably watching this. There's a reason and it's because we're all addicts. Um, traveling is amazing and I can't get enough. So my next plan is to visit Mexico, Central America, and South America. I noticed while I was in Colombia, the whole reason why I wanted to go back was because I wanted to see what I had missed. It's an extremely diverse country and everywhere I went in the country was so different. And there were so many things that I really wanted to do that I have not but will. So I have a backpacking trip planned in which I will blog about. Hopefully we'll have video and writing because I am actually 
aspiring photographer and videographer. It's a, a new hobby of mine, which is rapidly growing. I'm learning so much in the past couple of months about that and starting some more professional projects with it. And so hopefully that will be able to transition into my travel and I'll be able to make some really amazing travel videos for you guys to see in the future. So if you're interested in Mexico, Central America, and South America, which Latin America is a super culturally rich place, check it out. Mm -hmm. Stay tuned for that, definitely. A little teaser for what's to come. So uh, if people want to connect with you, uh, you know, uh, maybe ask you some more questions than I was able to ask during this interview, how can they reach out to you? So if you guys want to reach me, I'm on Facebook, on all social media. Everything is just my first and last name, which is Ayla, A-Y-L-A, and then Townsend, T-O-W-N-S-E-N-D. You can find me on all social media platforms. And then also, um, I recommend that you guys check out the Nomad Playground, which is, I believe, how Ricky encountered me. And I'm on there featured as one of the nomads. And my friend Luke Martin, who I met while I was in Peru, is working really hard to help everybody out on ways to make money just like we all are trying to do so um definitely check me out on there as well as any social media and email my email is the same ayla townsend at gmail.com feel free to email me with any questions recommendations and um information on vip kid you might want awesome you're making it nice and easy for us ayla um, so uh, make sure you check out Ayla, um, and I'll have those links below once again. And uh, make sure you check out Nomad uh, Playground. I'll actually be interviewing Luke in the future as well. We were just in uh, Colombia together, uh, but we unfortunately, uh, Pat's uh, kind of uh, missed each other. But uh, definitely look forward to interviewing Luke on our show. So stand by and stay tuned for that episode about the Nomad Playground. Uh, so uh, Ayla, thanks again for all of those insights into both teaching English uh, offline in Colombia, but also online through VIP Kit. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys so much. Enjoy Columbia and Cartagena. I will, definitely. Uh, so thanks, everyone, for tuning in to this episode of Digital Nomad Mastery, where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world.